So we're going to pick up in Acts 8, chapter, verse number 1. It says, now Saul was consenting to his death. In other words, he was, a, he was in approval of the fact that they just murdered this man for loving Jesus. Saul was consenting to it. He was okay. And at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Now I want to stop right there real quick because uh, uh, what the devil means for evil, God knows how to turn it for good. And the devil thought that he was going to use the murder of Stephen to scare everybody into shutting down this fire. But, but, but he doesn't realize that the fire just got out of the fence. That this thing just spread because now these people have gone into Judea. They've gone into Samaria. And now they're starting to move to the uttermost parts of the earth. So he meant evil for this man dying. But we saw last week that Stephen, even though he died, he died gloriously. That he got to look up into heaven and see the goodness of God and have Jesus welcoming him into eternity. But, but the devil tried to scare and stop this thing. It's like a, the dogs bark, but the train keeps rolling. Have you ever seen a, a dog barking and he's running after that train? And he can bark all that baby one. But that train is not going to stop for that dog. And the devil here, he's trying to stop or put out this fire that's been ignited. But he's not going to. He's not going to accomplish it. He's just made it worse. So they've gone to the uttermost parts of the earth, and they're starting to preach. In verse two, it says, "And devout men carried Stephen to his burial, and they made great lamentations over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church. What do you think havoc was?" I don't know, but it doesn't sound good. He's making havoc of the church. He's entering every house, and he's dragging off men and women, and he's committing them to prison. So you can see here that literally we know that thousands of people have now started to become Christians. On the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up and 3,000 people got saved. And this, this what's happening, Saul feels like that it's going to ruin all of their tradition, all of their history. And he's got to try and contain this fire before it gets way out of control. So he goes door to door at every house with soul soldiers in tow and they're yanking men and women out of their homes leaving the kids there I'm sure crying but he don't care he's going door to door looking for these 3,000 people that had got saved how many did him did he imprison possibly hundreds it doesn't say but he's going house to house looking for these brand new baby Christians so that he can take them and put them in prison why well because he doesn't want this thing to get out any further skip down we're going to skip this next part. Man, y'all, y'all have to go back and read it, though, because right there, in, in, if you keep reading, we have our first uh, evangelist. It says that Philip, the evangelist, the Lord tells Philip, he says, Philip, go join yourself to that chariot. So Philip goes to this chariot, and he finds an Ethiopian. Uh, he, an Ethiopian sitting there, and he's reading the scriptures. And Philip, the evangelist, says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how do I know what I'm reading unless somebody teaches me? So Philip 
Philip hops up inside that chariot and teaches this Ethiopian about Christ. And the Ethiopian says, man, what do I need to do to be saved? Can I be baptized? So they pull the chariot over on the side of the road. This Ethiopian gets baptized in a puddle, a pond, or a ditch. He wants to be saved. And then the Bible says that Philip disappears. He's just gone. Well, now this Ethiopian brings the gospel to the continent of Africa. I mean, this thing is busting out everywhere. Judea, Samaria, Africa. The gospel of Jesus Christ is doing exactly what he said it would do. When the Holy Spirit comes, you'll be my witnesses. Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And it's happening. But I don't have time to read all of that. But man, it's fantabulous. If you got, we're going to go ahead and go to Acts chapter 9, verse 1. It says, Then Saul was continuing to breathe threats and murder. So he was holding the coats when they, when they stoned Stephen. Now he's putting people in prison, but now he's going to murder. That he's actually, he's progressing in his sin towards these Christians. How I many of y'all know that sin, it'll always cost you more than you want to pay. It'll take you further than you want to go, and it'll keep you longer than you want to stay. I mean, you start sinning, and it ain't long that you just get further and deeper and further away from God. He's getting further progressively further away from God now he's murdering Christians and it says now he's gone to the high priest and he asked for letters or subpoenas and he said he wants letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus Damascus is a is a very influential city and now Christians are starting to move into Damascus so he's arrested everybody he can arrest in Jerusalem now he's going to this city of Damascus and he needs letters that give him the authority to go door to door and rip people out of their homes and put them in prison so he's gone to get these letters he, he gets the letters and it says so that he, if he could find any who were of the way, whether men or women, he could bring them bound to Jerusalem. But as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I want to show you that this morning that Jesus takes it very personal whenever people mess with you. We know that Saul never personally hurt Jesus, but Jesus took it really personally. He says, why are you inflicting or harming me? Why does he say that? Well, because we're the body of, of Christ. He's the head of the church, but we're his hands and we're his feet. We're his body. And whenever people mess with the body of Christ, Jesus takes it uh, as an offense to him. And many times in Christianity, one denomination is beating on another denomination and we're really just punching and beating up on ourselves. But Jesus says, listen, why are you persecuting me? And he says to him, he says, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said to him, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. Does anybody know what a goad is? Goad is just sharp, sharp stick. They just sharpen the stick. And they just make it really sharp. And then they put it behind the ox's 
uh, plow. So whenever they're plowing and you're beating that ox, come on, yeah, mule, yeah, come on, get up, yeah. If that, if that ox gets mad at you, which he should because you're beating the tar out of him, and he tries to kick you whenever he kicks back, he hits that sharp stick and it pokes him and it makes him not want to kick you anymore. Well, here Jesus said, listen, it's hard for you to kick against the goad. In other words, every time he's ripping these people out of his home and every time he, put in, he puts them in prison, every time he stones one of them or murders one of them, something on the inside of him, the Holy Spirit, something down in there is like a goad and it's telling him, this ain't right. You shouldn't be doing this. Don't do this. This is not right. This is not, the, this is not my best. But he's just kicking against this goad. He's saying, no, it's my way or the highway. I'm going to do this. I've got the letters. I've got the documents. I'm going to put this fire out. But the Holy Spirit on the inside of him is saying, no, this is not right. But Jesus knows how to get our attentions. How many of y'all know that's right? Jesus knows how to get our attention, baby. If you're messing with his church and his people, he knows how to knock you off your high horse. He's riding high on this horse. But verse 6 says, oh, but now he's trembling. I mean, I think he's the scared one now. And he's astonished and he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? The first question he asks him is, he says, who are you, Lord? The second question he says, what do you want me to do? The great prayer for any of us, any person in here this morning will say, God, what do you, who are you? Show me who you are. Reveal yourself to me. And then the next thing is he says, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. He said, step one, go to the city. Step two, I'll tell you step two after you've accomplished step one. And lots of times whenever we're serving the Lord, we want him to show us step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, step six. Lord, show me who my wife's going to be in five years from now. Show me what I'm going to be doing 10 years from now. But the Lord will say, no, you get your butt to the city. And once you get there, I'll tell you step two. But I'm not going to tell you five years away whenever you won't do the first thing that I told you. So he told Saul, he said, step one, go to the city. And once you get there, I'll have provision for you. And we know that once he gets there there's a man named Ananias and Ananias uh, we won't read it all this morning well I'll just keep going first it says verse 7 it says and the men that, that journeyed with him stood speechless they were hearing the voice but they didn't see anyone but Saul arose from the ground and when his eyes were opened he saw no one they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus and he was there three days without sight he's totally blind and he neither ate nor drank for those three days. After that, we know that he goes into the city and God sends a man named Ananias. And, and the Lord visited Ananias in a dream and says, Ananias, you're sleeping. Keep sleeping. You're doing great. But I'm in your dream right now. And you're going to need to go find this man named Saul. And when you find him, he's going to be blind. And you're going to need to pray for him so that he can, can have his sight. And Ananias is talking to the Lord he's, in his dream. He says, Lord, I'm not going to go find that man. He's ripping people out of their home and killing them. I'm not going to go find him. And he says, no, Ananias, this is your assignment. I need you to trust me. So, of course, Ananias, he goes, he finds Saul. The Bible says that he lays hands on Saul. And he says, brother 
saw receive your sight. And after three days, Saul can see for the first time. He was completely in darkness, but now he's completely in the light. If you've got your paper there, there's a few things I want to give you this morning about the apostle Saul. Three things to remember. Three things I believe the Lord has for you, myself included, this morning. The first one is, you're not too far gone. Or in other words, you haven't gone beyond the reach or the grasp of God. The Bible says that God is able to save to the uttermost. I love that verse. That to the uttermost, to the utter farthest reaching, I don't care how far away from God you feel like you are or how much you think you've done or how bad you think you've been. Nobody in here has created the heinous crimes that this man was creating uh, and, and was performing against Christ. None of us are too far gone. God is able to save to the uttermost. The Bible says that God's arms are not short. In other words, God's not like this, right? He's not like this. No, the Bible says that God's arms can reach way out to a teenager who's far from the Lord. The Lord's arms can reach way out into your past and fix things. He can reach way out into your future and rearrange things for you. None of us have gone too far from the Lord. None of us have committed that, that thing that, that we feel like is unpardonable. No, each one of us, no matter what your history is, what you feel like you've done or you didn't do or, or that, 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 that person or it could be divorce, any number of things sometimes the devil will say oh you shouldn't have done that oh you've done too much oh you're too old it's too too late oh you shouldn't have moved from there listen I believe God's got you exactly where he wants you to be and he's able to save to the uttermost and he can reach far into your life and fix you uh, what, what was great about Paul is if you continue to read he's he's often uh, he feels bad about some of the things that he's done I mean, I feel bad about some of the things you've done. I know I can. I say, man, I feel bad about some of the things I've done. But Paul knew how to turn it off. And he knew that, that there are some regrets. But he also, he was the same person that, that wrote, I've got these scriptures here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become brand new. So the Apostle Paul, even though he committed all those acts and stoned people and murdered people and flogged people and threw them in prison, there was a point that came in his life that he said, you know what, I'm a new creature in Christ. My old self has passed away. Everything has become brand new. That word creature is just the word metamorpho, which is, which is where we get the word metamorphosis. And the, the example that they give in the dictionary is, is a, a caterpillar turning to a butterfly. That complete, utter change. If you look at a caterpillar, he's crawling around on his belly. and he, there, There's nothing really beautiful about him. But the Apostle Paul, he realized that my life before Christ was me as a worm. But, but I'm not that anymore the old has been passed away and i've been metamorphosed into a brand new creature in christ jesus things are forever 
changed. They're forever different. The next one, it says in Galatians 2.20, it says, he said, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The Apostle Paul, even though he did all of that junk, there came a point in his life whenever he realized and he you know what? I died with Christ, that I was crucified with him. Nevertheless, I now live, but it's not me that's living. Christ, one translation says that I'm enjoying a second existence where Christ is using my body. So he was able to unplug from his past. And I believe it's important for every person in here, myself included, to be able to unplug from our past hang-ups and failures and missteps. And even if you feel like, man, I've wasted 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 years. No, I can tell you you're not too far gone. You haven't done too much. You're not too old. You're exactly where God would have you. You just got to learn how to unplug from your past and say, I'm a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away but everything has become brand new the last one philippians 3 13 he says brethren i count myself not to have apprehended but this one thing i do i forget those things which are behind and i press i reach forward to those things that are before i press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of god in christ jesus same thing over and over and over again because you had to know he lived with some sense of guilt he's like uh, i remember stoning that man to death and as he goes to bed at night, he probably had to relive that in his mind, yanking people out of their homes. But there was a point whenever he says, I have to let that go. And I have to realize that, that I'm forgetting those things that are behind. And I have to press forward to that that is ahead. That I press or I reach toward the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So the first thing I want you to take away this morning, I don't care where you're at. I don't care what you've done. don't care who you are, who you've been. I don't care about any of it all of it can be in your past all of it can be behind you that you can totally reach all your potential do everything that he's called you to do you just got to make that choice say baby i'm not too far gone i'm right where he wants me to be the second thing i want you to take away from this morning is is that my time how am i doing praise god i'm tempted to skip but i won't skip down to it All right, you got it? Put it up there. I'll read it with you. There's power in your testimony or in your story. Acts chapter 22, uh, we have where where Paul would stand up and give his testimony. I want to encourage you this morning to recognize that there's power in your own story. In your own testimony, there's power in that story or in that testimony. I think a lot of times as, as Christians... Uh, we hold in our own story. We don't share our own story. We don't tell our own story. But if you saw the Apostle Paul, I I love him that every time he gave his testimony, he didn't give a whole bunch of scriptures. He didn't quote a whole bunch of doctrine and say, thus saith the Lord and all this kind of baloney that sometimes we feel like we have to do in order for us to share Jesus with other people. We feel like we have to be super spiritual. No, Paul didn't do any of that. In Acts chapter 22, he 
he's, he's getting beat to death by a mob. A mob has gotten around him and they're kicking him. They're ripping his clothes off. They're beating the tar out of him. And some soldiers come and rescue him because they realize if we don't rescue this dude, he's about to get beat to death. We went to the, the what was that, the Mardi Gras parade uh, last week. Oh, it wasn't last week. It was a couple weeks ago. Y'all weren't even see it. Y'all were inside Books of Million, but in the parking lot of Books of Million, there was like four or five guys that had jumped this guy, and they're beating him up. And, and finally, some other people got out, and they started breaking it all up because they're kicking this dude just like mercilessly right there in the middle of that parking lot during Mardi Gras. And some of the guys, they all hop out of the back of the truck, and they break it up. Well, the Apostle Paul, he's getting beat down. How many ever seen somebody get just beat down? He's getting beat down, and these soldiers come in and rescue him. And the Bible says that they put him in the barracks. But right as he's about to go into the barracks, he stops and he turns to these officers. And the Bible says that he pleads with these officers. He says, will you please bring me back out to my accusers so that I can speak to them? And, of course, the soldiers are like, what do you mean bring you? We just kept you from getting killed, Dodo. I'm not going to bring you back out there. These people are going to kill you. He says, no, no, you can, you can be my defense but I, I need to speak to these people. So the soldier brings him back out to these guys that are whipping him. And the Bible says that immediately he stands up and he begins to speak Hebrew. Or in other words, they were all Hebrews. He started to speak their language. And as the Bible says that the moment he started to speak Hebrew, that the silence came in the crowd. He had their attention. He was speaking their language. And then he just begins to give his testimony. He doesn't say a bunch of, thus saith the Lord. You'll have to read it in Acts 22. He doesn't give a whole bunch of, I know, 18 scriptures. No, he just starts, he says, I'm a Hebrew just like you. And he said, I was circumcised on the eighth day, and I was a Jew of all the Jews. I was a Pharisee of all the Pharisees. But he said, there was a day whenever I was riding a horse, and a light shone down from heaven brighter than the noonday sun, and he knocked me off of my horse and I was blinded for three days naturally I couldn't see anything but it was the first time in my life that I could really see that even though I couldn't see anything naturally the eyes of my heart were flooded with understanding and that's where I met Jesus and things were forever changed after that moment the power of that man's testimony he just stood up and he just said this is what happened to me and a lot of times our own testimony I think we feel like that we need to have been abused or an alcoholic or on drugs but, and we feel like, well, nothing, nothing crazy, sensational has happened to me my whole life. I really don't have anything to give or anything to share. Well, praise God, you don't have a crazy testimony. But, but every person has to come to an age or a point in their life where they say, you know what, I used to attend church, but there was a day when I started following Jesus. And things just changed for me then. It was just like turning on the light, that I'd lived my whole life in darkness, and then the light came on. And there's power just in those few moments that you have with people there's power in your own testimony whether it's sensational or crazy or not well we have a crazy testimony in my in my I mean Lord Jesus we should write a memoir I mean the just just crazy bizarre things and how we wound up here in a movie theater where exorcist is playing and teaching the Bible I mean just bizarre banana things but but whether you have that or not there's power in your testimony in Acts chapter 26 now the Bible says that he stands before the same thing except now he says he's standing before Felix Festus how many of you are glad your name's not Festus it's like an ingrown hair it's horrible <laughs> my name's Festus it's disgusting He's standing before, 
Yeah, it just reminds, just reminds me of ingrown hair. Uh, uh, Festus, Felix, and King Agrippa. And the Bible says that they bring, they bring Paul out of the dungeon. That, that you can imagine what he looks like. I mean, he's, they've put him in prison, and now they've brought him out basically just to kind of laugh at him, and they're going to see what his deal is, see what's up with him. And I'm sure he's all beat up, and he looks raggedy. And the Bible says that they walk in, Felix and Festus and King Agrippa, it's in Acts chapter 26, you have to read it. The Bible says that they walk in with all of their pomp. That's what it says, P-O-M-P. So you can imagine what they look like. They're living high on the hog, right? No pun intended, there's my hogs. Uh, he said, they're living, I mean, they're living a life of scrumptiously. They've got this, you know, they've got plenty to eat. They got everything they need. They've got their crowns. They got all their big robes. And they come strutting in, the Bible says, with all of their pomp. And then they come dragging little old beat up Paul. And they bring him before. And they're wanting, they're wanting to find out what's up with him. And I love the very first thing that they say. I wish we could read it, but we don't have time. He looks right at King Agrippa, right in the face. And he says, King Agrippa, I'm a happy man. In other words, Paul said, listen, I don't care what you're wearing or what you think you got going for you. He says, I'm the only one that's happy here because my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And he just looks right through that man's all of his parade, and he just speaks his testimony right to that guy's soul. And there's power in that. But again, he doesn't do a whole bunch of this crazy, I know a bunch of scriptures. He says, King Agrippa, he says, I'm a Jew. I'm a regular guy. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm from Sicily. I'm a Roman citizen, but I was riding a horse. And a light shone down from heaven and knocked me off of my horse. And I was blinded, but for the first time, and he just gives his simple testimony and it changes people's lives listen i give you a whole bunch of scriptures all kinds of that jazz but but i would prefer that you walk out of this place and if you have an opportunity to look right through people's junk and just say you know what i've been a christian my whole life but something happened a year ago or something happened to me two years ago you know what i grew up you know i my broken home divorced molested whatever whatever your story is you say you know what but jesus he redeemed my life from destruction and now he crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercy there's power just in your ability to say the simple truth of your testimony the last thing i want you to take away from this morning go ahead put it up there your only regrets in your life will be the times that you didn't obey God. I want to read these last two scriptures here. So if you've got your Bible, we're going to look in Galatians chapter 1. The only regrets that you'll have in life will be the times that you didn't obey God. And you'll never regret the times that you did. You'll never regret obeying God. There's been times when the Lord's told me to give stuff away that I really liked. But, you know, I never regretted it after it was over. Now, while I'm doing it, I'm thinking, you lucky dog, I really like that. I hate to give you this right now, but the Lord told me to, so I'm doing it. But you can't say that because then that don't, you know, that, that doesn't work. You just got to say, oh, yeah, I want to bless you. And you're thinking, oh, I really want to steal it back from you. 
Yeah, but, but I've never regretted it after I've done it. But there have been times when the Lord told me to do something and I didn't do it. And now he'll, I'll actually remember that five years later. I'll remember there was maybe two or three weeks ago in here. I felt like the Lord, he said, down the inside, he said, now if there's people sick, I want you to, I want you to pray for them. And, and immediately I'm thinking, oh, we don't have time. We're in a movie theater. Exorcism's about to come on. Come on. We can't do this. It's not convenient. And I didn't do it. And now I have that regret. If I would have obeyed God, no matter what would have happened, uh, whether the movie theater or anything, I would have never regretted that. But the only regrets that I have in my life are the times when the Lord said, I need you to do this, or I need you not to do that. When the Lord's told me not to buy things and I bought it, I regretted. Why? Because a month later, I was in a bind, and now I'm trying to sell it on eBay, right? I mean, anytime the Lord tells you to do something, you'll never regret it. The only regrets you'll have are the times that you don't do it. Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. What's my time, dear? You're my timekeeper. Verse 11, it says, but uh, Paul's, Paul's talking here. For those, some of you may not understand, Paul, he wrote Galatians, Ephesians, First and Second Corinthians. I mean, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. It's sad that we know more about celebrities and athletes than we do about a person like the Apostle Paul. I mean, if there's anybody you should know anything about, he's one of them. And a lot of people, they can tell you what Drew Brees threw last year, but they can't tell you... Uh, how significant. Oh, praise the Lord. Just shut up, Kevin. But I make known to you, the Apostle Paul, verse 11 here, he says, I'm making known to you, brethren, the gospel which was preached by me. It is not according to man, for I neither received it from a man, nor was I taught it. But it came through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus, he, said, he says, I never met Jesus in, in his flesh and in his blood, but everything that, I, that, I'm, that I'm feeding you, he says, I got it from the Lord Jesus. He says, for you have heard of my former conduct. Here comes his regrets. He says, you've heard of my former conducts in Judaism. He says, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure, and I tried to destroy it. Right here, you can see his regrets coming out. He says, I did everything I knew to do to destroy the church of God. Even though that goad was right there, he said, I kicked against that goad. I wanted to destroy this thing because I thought it was going to ruin my life. The next verse he says, and he says, I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation because I was more exceeding zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, he separated me from my mother's womb and he called me through his grace. How many of y'all glad God gives you another chance? He says, listen, I was zealous, I persecuted, I did a bunch of junk. But he said, I knew how to hit that switch and forget those things which are behind. And he says, now, by the grace of God, he's called me, he's anointed me, and he's given me this assignment. Last one, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 3. He's, he's speaking here again. This is Paul. He says, I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, 
that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried, but he arose again on the third day. He's just given just a simple testimony right here. And he says, according to the scriptures. And he says, and that he was seen by Cephas, and then he was seen by the twelve. He's talking about after Jesus was risen from the dead. He saw Jesus. He said Jesus was seen by Cephas, which is the high priest. He says, then he was seen by the twelve apostles. After that, he was seen by over 500 people at once, of whom the greater part remained present or they haven't died but some have fallen asleep or died but he said after that he was seen by James and then by all the apostles then last of all he was seen by me Paul said I was visited personally by Jesus and he said as by one born out of due time Uh, he says I am the least of all the apostles who I am not worthy to be called an apostle why he says because I persecuted the church of God there's his regrets but now verse 10 he's figured out how to leave that stuff behind he says but everybody say but he says but by the grace of God I am what I am and his grace towards me was not in vain he said I'm not going to squander the grace that he's given me he says I've done some bad things but by the grace of God I'm not staying in that place not only am I not going to stay in that place I'm not going to squander it or waste it he says I'm going to go forward he says because I labor more abundantly than they all yet not I but the grace of God which was in me how many of y'all thankful for God's grace this morning thank God for his grace that no matter our past or our history he's able to save to the uttermost he's able to redeem our life from destruction